0: Moment in we moment in weed moment in weed moment in weed. Hey, how's it going folks? It's Abdullah and Bean. And welcome back for another episode of Moments in Weed, our companion series, The Great Moments in Weed History, in which Bean and I discuss pop topics of today. Yeah, we discuss
1: hot hot topics and not <laughs> hot pockets who should be a sponsor but aren't and we should also mention for careful longtime listeners we have dropped vlad's Blinces as a sponsor enough said maybe too much said <laughs> you know our suspicions about vlad's Blinces have exceeded their contribution
0: <laughs> to our show that's it for vlad's blintzes but we are still here screaming our our stories of truth uh, from the mountaintop
1: I got a little bit of the last of my homegrown from last year to burn through. Yeah, because it's almost planting time. Almost time to uh, put in that 2022 crop, everybody. I hope if you have that ability, legally or otherwise, you're making plans to uh, start anew in the spring.
0: Hell yeah. I, of course, am vaping right now. I'm hitting a Puffco Peak because, Bean, as I told you, my girlfriend and I are moving out of this apartment. And there is a walkthrough happening. In a couple hours, we all know about that two-hour period in a person's life when they can't smoke weed at home because there's about to be a walkthrough. I'm in that moment right now, and so I'm vaping. Thanks to my girlfriend for allowing vaping during
1: this very difficult time. I know it was a protracted negotiation, and I'm glad that it came to a peaceful resolution.
0: (laughs) Actually, it was more like,
1: could you please just vape for two hours? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then you huddled with your advisors. And, and I will just say, as we talk about spring planting, my favorite Zen koan is spring comes and the grass grows by itself. A beautiful sentiment, but no shade to all the work that, of course, actually goes into growing grass. Yeah, no
0: shade in which grass does not grow. <laughs> oh,
1: that's <laughs> that's true. <dumb. laughs>
0: Oh my God! These are getting crazier uh, by the episode. You're not—it's not your imagination. But the fact that you keep listening. <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's just driving us to do more of this shit, so we hope you're happy.
1: Yeah, each and every Weedness Day, you're gonna be stuck with us, we're gonna be stuck with you, we're inherently sticky like the plant we adore, we are, of course, a Weedly podcast, every Weedness Day, if that's not clear enough for you, I really don't know what to tell you at this point. Yeah, I, I stopped understanding what Bean was talking about a while ago. Also, of course, We're already blazing, we're already vaporizing, but you can still hit pause, you can roll something up, you can pack a bowl, you can split a blunt, you can dab a dab. But whether you're ready or not, I think we're ready to get into our moment in weed for this week. Or for this weed.
0: <laughs> the, the
1: time is of the essence, as it is always. Let us, let us delve. Let us delve. This week, a big new report came out. This is the 2022 Leafly Jobs Report. And it takes a look at how many green jobs, we heard a lot about green jobs. Well, here they are, have been created by the cannabis industry. The reason Leafly has to do this is Is because the U.S. Department of Labor's Bureau of Labor Statistics, which does this for every other industry, just acts like weed doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, yeah, which the U.S. government has been doing for a long time, which has led to a multi-billion dollar shadow economy that they're always complaining about. Despite the fact that they're the ones throwing the shade in which the grass (laughs) cannot grow, it's this very weird American habit of being like, oh, we don't talk about that. So, for example, like there's no record of like every cop who shot an unarmed person, right? Or every cop who shot someone, who discharged a weapon. There is no national data on any of this just because they're like, don't want to acknowledge that that's happening. Well, the weed economy exists, weed jobs exist, whether or not the federal government wants to acknowledge it or not.
1: And, you know, shout out to anybody cool. Within the Labor Department's Bureau of Labor Statistics, we know you are bringing this up at the weekly meeting. We know that, you know, you're fighting the good fight. We're not throwing shade at you. Uh, And we are throwing some big ups to Leafly. This is a lot of work and it is important because as much as we always talk about hey, the reasons to legalize weed is because it's stupid to fucking arrest people and it's racist in its implementation and it is a life-saving plant that we should be basically giving away in Town Square. That's just one message and another message is, hey, you could get an awesome job in this new industry. Like, guess how many people, how many people do you think have full-time weed jobs right now according to this report Mm. from Leafly?
0: so nationally right and legally so meaning this doesn't include any of the very fun black market job if i had to guess let's say 150000 higher
1: yeah uh 200000 higher 300000 the, this is how high I am, right? I, I, I forgot what we're what we're measuring. No, higher. How, how many jobs? Uh, how many weed jobs? Uh, half a million. A little lower. We have lower. just... 420,000. 420, Tell me it's more. Yeah, than 20, a little yes. more. 428,059. <laughs> and yes, Lenny working down at THC Distro. We counted you. You were the last one. Sorry, uh, everyone else. You'll get counted next year. Yeah, we are over... 420,000 full-time equivalent jobs in the United States and that is an increase over last year of 33 percent and that's the fifth year in a row that annual job growth in the cannabis industry just counting the legal jobs you know the trap report I think is due uh next week (laughs) (laughs) this is five years in a row of job growth of over 27 percent
0: wow okay so this industry is
1: booming especially in a time when we suffered
0: through a lot of uh, economic setbacks i think it's worth noting that a lot of these jobs did exist before but they were off book so it is just really refreshing to see that this is official growth this means that these people will receive the benefits of being tax paying citizens as opposed to keeping all the money and <laughs> yeah. not giving it to a
1: capitalistic nightmare that oppresses. Yeah. Us. But
0: uh, it's an interesting point though because on the one hand it is involving you in the capitalistic nightmare but the way America is set up increasingly is that the net is harder to escape as somebody off book, right? So unless you're like a money laundering expert It's going to be very difficult to have a family or to buy a house. So, living in the constrained limits of the American dream and how you are allowed to pursue it, it's
1: a positive, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as somebody who has had an on book cannabis job for 20 years, sleeping well at night is one of the big benefits. Hey, We love our outlaw community. We love our outlaw growers and wheelers and dealers and smugglers and suppliers and all we hope for you is the best. But if you've been out doing that trap lifestyle for a long time and you think to yourself, hey... I really don't want to live with that level of risk. This could be the right time, and that's why I thought, really, we could take this episode as an opportunity to talk about how to land a legal weed job, whether you're coming in from the cold, as they say, or whether you have skills from another industry and you want to enter weed, whether you're a young person looking to get your foot in the door with something entry-level. Oh, wow. Okay, this is really fantastic. I feel like this is something that I've wanted to
0: espouse since I became a cannabis journalist right around the time we met, Bean, because I was like, oh, look, here is, you know, the OG. Here is the new guy. And after me, you want that lineage to continue. You want weed-loving people to work
1: with weed, you know what I mean? So this is really fantastic. All righty, let's go. Out of those 420,000-plus jobs, that includes direct cannabis jobs like cultivation and retail sales, what are often called plant-touching jobs, which Mm -hmm. actually sounds awesome. Fuck yeah. And this also includes indirect or what are called ancillary jobs that serve licensed companies or depend on legal sales. And that can include everything from accounting and human resources and legal affairs to regulatory compliance and security, maintenance, marketing, Mm -hmm. construction jobs. The guy Uh, that guards the safe. (laughs) The guy that drives (laughs) the truck of money around. The guy who smells the weed to make sure it all smells good. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, (laughs) jobs like cannabis media, technology technology platforms, public relations, lobbying, industry associations, everything that surrounds this new legal industry. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. So there's a lot of ancillary business here. It's
0: not just the bud tender, the person growing the pot, the person trimming the pot. There is a lot here. And I think that's the thing we've been trying to say this whole time is that this is an entire industry, right? This is a consumer industry and that requires a lot of labor.
1: Yeah. And labor that's not really being outsourced or automated. You know, some of the aspects of cultivation obviously will be in our dystopian future and weed vending machines and all that. But for right now, 33% job growth in an industry that's not comparable to any other industry. There's no legal industry in the United States that is anywhere close to that. In 2021, There was $25 billion in legal cannabis sales, but that only represents about 25% of what people spent on cannabis. In other words, 75% of cannabis sales are underground illicit off book. So if you added all of that, it would be about $100 billion. It would be bigger than beer at $94 billion. Bigger than wine at $78 And that also shows you where the potential for growth in this legal industry is. Job growth is fastest in newly opening markets.
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, you got to staff up a a new round of legal dispensaries. You're going to be pulling from the pool of the existing market, but all those people are suddenly going to be on book. You're going to see a massive spike and then probably a slowdown after that,
1: right? But continued growth. And then I think the biggest piece of advice is start by assessing the skills that you already possess. If you work in a marketing job and you fucking hate it, (laughs) then maybe you can work in weed marketing. That's right. You know, no matter what part
0: of a business you work in, your skills are applicable to cannabis. Cannabis needs to be counted and tallied and sold and packaged and all of those things, right? And these are very everyday jobs. These are skills that all kinds of people have. Cannabis requires a supply chain. You know, if you're in something as dry as supply chain management, your skills are going to be very useful in maintaining the flow of cannabis. And, you know, I think at the very heart of it, right, and it's something that that you and I have talked about forever, the people that should be involved should be passionate about this. These are regular jobs. You're going to be paid an hourly wage But you're going to be around people who are like-minded. You're going to be distributing something, facilitating the acquisition of something that you feel will make the world a better place. And you will just feel more fulfilled if you're doing something that you love. That is the thing that has gotten me through even lean times of being a cannabis journalist, right? Is that I believe at the end of the day, and I feel so lucky that I get to do something that I really believe in at the heart of.
1: Passion goes a really long way. As much as we have been critical of the details of the legalized market and will continue to be, you are part of something that is ending prohibition, that is ending the terrible system of arrests, the racism and dissolution of our civil liberties, and... You are helping people access this plant that has incredible medicinal benefits. So you're both helping to end something terrible and bring something beautiful into people's lives. And I would say, pair that passion with knowledge. The more you understand about this plant, scientifically, culturally, and yes, let me say it, historically, you know, not just the better chance you're going to have to land a job, but you're going to be in such a better position to actually meaningfully contribute to this industry and this culture.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as a couple of guys who have spent
1: a lot of time in dispensaries,
0: not just shopping or almost never shopping because we're very, very (laughs) lucky guys, but filming. And, you know, that requires hours of time hanging out in a dispensary with the staff of a dispensary. I can't count how many times we have done that. Right. And every time The thing that I take away with me is, oh, this is a really chill vibes place to work. This is a positive work environment. Now, I'm not going to say that every cannabis boss, every dispensary owner is super cool and chill to work with because I don't know that. But I do know that anecdotally, every time we have filmed at a dispensary or with cannabis employees on a farm, at a store, whatever, the vibes are very good. There's people old and young. There's people of all genders and all races bonding over this passion that they all have for cannabis, and this is the job that they go to every day, you know. And and everybody has a smile on their face because they're into this, they're into what they're doing. So if that's the kind of workplace you want, if right now you're like listening to this and looking around your office and thinking like, I hate all these fuckers, <laughs> I, I have nothing, I have nothing in common with any of these people, you could be in a place where you do.
1: If you are in a shit situation with your current job, yeah. assess the skills that you have. And see how they might apply to this new industry. And then another big thing we have to talk about before we get into more tips. And I think this will resonate with a lot of our listeners. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sweet pun it is. (laughs) Uh, Which is how do you talk about the years or decades of experience you have in the underground economy when that may have involved breaking the law to a prospective employer in the legal industry. So yeah, you're gonna have to be tactful in the way that you convey your experience. Very interesting. Yeah, and here would be my advice. Be proud of what you did. Put it in terms that a business person can understand. Some of the people that you may be interviewing for a job with could be on the wavy gravy end of the spectrum where they're like (laughs) far out, man. And some of them, uh, I do hate to burst your bubble. But there's complete fucking assholes running cannabis businesses. (laughs) It's true. You don't want to work for them. So if somebody is going to look down on you because you are a part of this movement of civil disobedience and they don't respect that you took those risks, they don't respect the skills that you gained, you don't want to work for that person. Uh, But you also don't want to scare off somebody who might be very sympathetic, but you have to do it in a way that doesn't get very specific about the ways that you broke the law
0: right because as a legal cannabis business you're under intense scrutiny right all the time and i I think that it's understandable that even if someone is not like a narc or not uh you know doesn't lack compassion towards somebody who worked in the black market they might be like i'm so under the gun here you know what i mean like there's so many eyes on every step of my process that I'm scared of being in breach of the law, right? And this is the double-edged sword of the legal industry. I do have a question for you, Bean. Do you think, and this is subjective, right? But do you think that someone should be stoned? And if stoned, how stoned (laughs) they should be in a
1: job interview for a weed job? Very good question. Uh, Very unique to this industry. (laughs) I think it's this. You know, personally how you function best. If I was called before Congress because I am going to be the weed czar of the United States and all the cameras are on and 80% of the people that are going to ask me a question are fucking assholes and I'm under the grill, a little CBD, maybe one little puff, but that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, you know you. The thing that I would not do is be visibly stoned or smell like weed because there's a level of professionalism involved. So in terms of what's going on inside you, however you function best, but you shouldn't be visibly broadcasting that you're blazed. Someone could
0: argue that, oh, well, if you're going to work at a bar, you wouldn't show up drunk to the interview. That's true. But cannabis is not really like alcohol in that respect, right? Like meaning a lot of people who are cannabis enthusiastic treat it as a life supplement like you and I do where we consume it every day where it it doesn't, it's not like, oh, it's time to be serious. Let's not smoke weed. I was interviewed once by a drunk person actually who burped (laughs) beer uh, as they were interviewing me and it was extremely unprofessional. The guy turned out to be a complete fucking lunatic. You should treat a job like a job if you are the type of stoner that gets extreme couch lock and very, very spacey, maybe don't smoke before that job interview. But if you're the type of person who takes a sativa dab with your coffee and it helps you
1: get your day going, you know, keep that part of your regimen. It, it really depends person to person. Yeah. And we're talking right about like the narrowest is the job interview and getting the foot in the door. I personally would not want to work at a weed place that had a problem with me being stoned on the job but getting my work done. Yeah. Um, and as somebody who has had that situation off and on for 20 years, that is also a huge, huge, huge reason why you might want to get into this industry because – You know, I have also sat in a cubicle stoned in a place where you're not supposed to be stoned, and it's just such a shitty feeling. So, think about that. You know, what a lovely part of the workday as, you know, we both uh, Mm -hmm. get high on the job right now, actually. It's a workday. This is it. We're working. (laughs) We're at work. Yeah, absolutely. And fuck, I had the exactly what I was going to say. It'll come. It'll come. Sorry, I'm, I probably shouldn't All have good. Spent so much weed. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, uh... You're fired, weed. This is. <laughs> this is uh... <laughs> oh, man. Ah, and there it is. The threat of loss of employment has jogged my brain. And this is no different in some ways than beer or wine. Like, there's corporate beer. And then there's the cool microbrew place. And they're right. going to have very different ownership styles, management styles, office cultures. You know, I, I love craft beer. And, and a lot of them are really true small businesses started by somebody who loves and believes in beer. And the vibe is chill. I'm thinking shout out to our friends at Lagunitas. And then, of course, there's corporate beer that's like corporate anything. So there's enough jobs. To go around at this point, you can try to really go for the kind of place where you're going to feel excited to wake up. Not just every Weedness Day, because you've got a new episode of Great Moments in Weed History, but every single wee-day, which is a weekday.
0: <laughs> okay, I've lost I, Again, I, I have no idea what, what's going on. <laughs> I have no idea what Pete's talking about. It's a different language. We've developed our own language. We're J.R.R. Tolkien. Tolkien. We're
1: J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> hey! <laughs> <laughs> and this brings us to another great way to get your foot in the door of the weed industry is by becoming involved in cannabis activism. This is how so many people in our age group got
0: into cannabis, right? Was through activism, by joining their local normal chapter, by joining their local SSDP chapter, right? And finding community that way, here's the thing about those groups, the people in them, chill as fuck. Now, in a lot of places, activism is kind of over in some ways because legalization has happened. And yet we still need people to get out there and stand up for what's right, because the way that legalization plays out is not always fair. Well, I don't know what genius said it, but uh, I believe the quote is, don't so readily trust the authorities that have unjustly prohibited cannabis for so long to now justly regulate it. Even in states where legalization is underway, has taken place, we still need people out there standing up for what is right and pushing the
1: lawmakers to make the right changes, right? And by getting involved in activism in a practical sense, you'll be meeting a lot of people, what some people call networking. Please don't network. It's just this... (laughs) (laughs) Just chill. Just... (laughs) Smoke weed, hang out, exchange ideas, work for the cause. You know, don't make your personal interactions transactional with people. We're like the last chill place left in the world. But (laughs) you will meet a lot of cool people who are very engaged, who are very at the forefront of what's happening. And that can give you entree into this. Most importantly, you will actually be benefiting everyone in this culture through your work, and that not only looks good on a resume, it's going to feel good in your heart. Another way that you might get a foot in this industry is a vocational school. We had an episode about Oaksterdam University, the uh, certainly the first and foremost of these types of schools. And there are
0: multiple places like Oaksterdam that have opened up all over the country, and there's online programs
1: as well. So no matter where you are, it's available to you. Yeah, and just a a note of caution, not to shock anybody, but some online and not online educational institutions are (laughs) scams and full of shit and, uh, you know, not going to provide you a very good education, but will take your money. So please, please be discerning.
0: Yeah, also the dorm parties at weed
1: school. The best. <laughs> I have to accept for that crusty old Dean.
0: Yeah, you won this round, Dean, but the war isn't over. Hello.
1: Hello, Dean. You're a stupid head.
0: Homer, is that you? <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> but he used to be the bass player for The Pretenders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then I want to talk about two kind of classic entry-level positions. So, you know, you're not an accountant. You're not uh, the director of marketing at Amalgamated Widgets and Mm. and looking to move laterally. But you're looking for that first job. Uh, But I want to give one last bit of advice. A lot of this advice has come from uh, my book, How to Smoke Pop Properly, which you can get as a supporter of ours on Patreon. Quick shout out. Of great love and admiration and thankfulness to all of our current Patreon supporters. Yep, and if you would like to be a Patreon
0: supporter and get all the bonus content, for example, seeing this podcast episode in video form, just go to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com and click around. Before you know it, you'll be in support of our show.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we basically port your, your credit card information directly from your pocket <laughs> into our uh, offshore accounts, which uh, we should talk off, off mic about the status of our offshore accounts another time. But, uh, <laughs> and, but yeah, these, these lighter sounds that you're hearing... Mm, Mm. they're not put in those aren't after effects We're, you know you can see the wrinkly joint that i rolled for myself uh wrinkly but functional much mm-hmm. like uh myself uh, yeah i was gonna say you can see the two <laughs> wrinkly guys too
0: <laughs>
1: just what everybody wants <laughs> two guys who couldn't be bothered to put on clean hoodies <laughs> I know, right? That's yeah. how did you know? <laughs> how did I you can know? See you. I'm a Patreon <laughs> supporter. Because I went to great moments at history.com Seriously, your support means the world to us. It helps us keep up with our rising hosting costs as we go weedly every Weedness Day. Weedness Day, no idea. Yeah. <laughs> And um, it's just greatly inspiring to us That people want to dig a little bit And support this show So here is my final bit of advice Taken from this book that you can get As a Patreon supporter Always have a lighter handy Always have rolling papers handy You just never know It is so true, man
0: Always have a pre-rolled joint on you You know what I'm saying? Like, it always helps To have a little weed, you know, like just around. It's like you always just want some (laughs) there just in case. Definitely papers, right? Because honestly, if I was interviewing someone for a weed job, right, that would be my trick question. That would be my litmus test. I'd be like, do you have papers on you right now? And if the person does, you know what I mean? Then you're just like, okay, well, that's not going to be a deal breaker, but it's going to tell you something about the level at which this person is operating. I mean,
1: we got to call this what it is. It's basically the Wooderson test. What is the Wooderson test? Hey, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. (laughs) It'd be a lot cooler if you did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Be a lot cooler if you did. The whole course of the movie would have shifted completely if that kid had a joint on him in that moment.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll never know. And of course, you know, you can delve back into the back episodes of Great Moments in Weed History for our very fun and, and very enlightening interview with Jason London, who played Pink in the movie that is called... Days and Confused. Dazed. Wow. What a great movie title to space on. That's so awesome. Yes, and I'm, uh, for careful listeners, I am definitely a few tokes over the line of where I would go into a job interview. It's Um, true. But you (laughs) do you. So let's talk about two different sort of entry-level positions. Good positions if you're a young person looking for that first job in or out of the industry. Classic is, of course, the bud tender. Yes. Okay, so the bud tender is
0: that person who stands behind the counter at the dispensary, who's going to make recommendations, who's going to tell you about what they've got in stock, what they've got on hand. And if you describe to them your needs, right, I'm looking for something to put me to sleep. I'm looking for something to, you know, wake me up a little bit, something more fun. This person should be able to guide you. And if you are a bud tender, there is a continuing education regimen required for that job. You should be out in the world smoking what people smoke. The things that you are recommending to people, you should be trying that stuff. And if that's difficult to do, then, you know,
1: you should really question your boss. You can't just smoke it. You got to vape it. You got to rub it all over Mm -hmm. you. You got to eat it. You got to rub it on your, uh, you know, uh, there's other places we'd go. (laughs) And not every is. dispensary carries suppositories, but the good
0: ones do. It's uh, true, the good ones do because that's a way of ingesting cannabis that's very therapeutic to a lot of people, right? And yeah, I, so it's I think it's important for bud tenders to really educate
1: themselves. And of course, this is not just a great job because it's a weed job, and you're seeing happy people come in and 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 spreading literal cannabis. It's also a great job because there's a lot of ways to move up from there. You're going to be involved on the product end. You're going to be involved on the distribution end. You're going to see all the different brands that are stocked on the shelves. You're going to have a lot of experience dealing with customers and sales. And so, you know, smart dispensaries are always looking to promote from within, and you're sort of in the center of the action as a buntender. Another really good entry level job can be what's called a brand ambassador.
0: Yeah, so a brand ambassador is basically somebody who represents the brand and represents its product. So you might work for a cannabis company and go to different dispensaries saying, "Here's our product." You're you're like the salesperson for the B2B aspect of
1: cannabis distribution, right? Yeah, and often not really even expected to make sales so much as to like get the brand in front of people's faces. You might be doing a uh, information booth inside a dispensary that already carries your product or you might be at an event talking to the public from behind a booth. You know, it's it's basically like. Instead of a bud tender who's in the same place every day, you're out in the world. So maybe that's uh, attractive to you as a job. And it also often can have an online element where you're creating content. So it's got a social media aspect. I hear the young people uh, know how to use Instagram. If anybody wants to take (laughs) over ours, please, please let me know. Uh, Also, uh, a shout out to all the bud tenders and brand ambassadors of the world But yeah, I'm really glad uh, you brought up this topic, Bean, because it is, you know, like, I don't think
0: people realize how many different corners of this industry there are. People message me all the time saying, like, how do I get a job in the weed industry, right? And, you know, it can be daunting to get into a new industry. But I think if you put yourself out there, right, that's your part that you have to do. And just be wary
1: because, as Bean said, there's a lot of bullshitters in this business. Weed allows us to see the bullshit in ourselves and to see the bullshit in others so if you're just kind of out there uh talking big game over your head you know trying to kind of thirstily sop up some of this weed money that's going around people are gonna see you for that you know Mm. don't ask so much what weed can do for you as what you can do for weed, all right? Because that's the more important relationship. And speaking of things that you can do for weed, I think what you're going to do for me is drop another dope moment on us to close this one out, right? Yes, that is right,
0: Bean. I have one dope thing for you, as I do every time we do an episode of Moments in Weed. And this time, it is a song. It is a weed-smoking song, right? But it is one that is very often overlooked, all right? Now, we're talking about a rap song, as many weed-smoking songs are, right? But it's not a Cypress Hill song. It's not I Got Five on it, right? I wonder if you can guess. This is a California rap group that did a really fantastic weed-smoking song, but it's not any of the G-Funk guys. It's not Snoop Dogg or Dre or any of those dudes. Any guesses, Bean? oh can you give me an era yes okay so these guys were really big in the early to mid to late 90s as as they're sometimes known the 90s (laughs) (laughs) i'll give you a clue i'll give you a clue they had a music video that was directed by spike jones that was very very novel in its execution
1: Ooh, i don't know i don't know where they're from is this the far side it is the far side. yeah, <laughs>
0: very good. Of course, the video is Drop, which is off of Lab Cabin, California, which was produced in large part by the late, great Jay Dilla. But I am talking about their earlier album, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side." There's a lot of weed references, right? Quentin's on his way with another Jay, uh, you know, is one of the skits. But there is one song in particular that is all about weed smoking, the name of the song is Pack the Pipe, all right? And uh, we'll play a clip of it here, you know, somewhere. I- In the first verse on this song, right, he's rapping about trapped in the cockpit at 40,000 feet, right? The sky is the limit, but we supersede. He's too stoned. This whole verse, right, which is very unusual for a weed song, right? And he goes, my reactions are repeated over and over and over. Oh, it seems like I will never be sober, right? And it is like, he's talking about being too high And it's the first verse in a weed smoking song, which I think is so hilarious. In the second verse, he's rapping about, I look in every hip hop magazine and it seems that the blunts are being passed around the scene in teams, right? The point he's making is that he doesn't want to smoke tobacco. He's like, get rid of that shit. And he closes the verse by saying, don't pass me that mess or even try to protest that it's adding to the flavor because the old one was fine. Won't
1: you pack the pipe and keep it moving down the line? Mm. Interesting, right? Hard agree. And there was, going back to my early to mid to late 90s uh, <laughs> weed brain, there, <laughs> there, you'd often get sort of the propaganda of, oh, without tobacco, you know, weed just makes you dumb. Or tobacco mixed with weed will get you 40% higher. I remember somebody telling me that, like they literally got the study from the Institute yeah. for Weed Tobacco sad, Mixes. Labor,
0: labor statistics <laughs> put that one out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> And it's like, you do you, everybody. You know, we are for the legalization of tobacco, uh, but shit ain't good for you. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah,
0: agreed. And and as a longtime Spliff smoker and a longtime cigarette smoker, I gotta say that when I finally crossed back into just smoking flowers, right? Just smoking weed. It was so, so much better. I couldn't agree more. The high is better. The feeling is better. You're not destroying your lungs or your throat. So I totally agree with this verse, all right? And we go into a hook, the pipe, the pipe, let's pack the pipe, the pipe, the pipe, let's pack the pipe. Bean and I agree. And so this last verse is the most questionable of all of them, but I think it is hilarious okay he's talking about smoking a big old blunt right but his friend coco says please don't smoke weed in front of my four-year-old and so he smokes him out we do not endorse the smoking out of children of any age if you're gonna smoke weed you should be a full-grown adult but this is comedy so you know let's walk with it for a second right uh and he says with his little hand he grabbed a a lesson in Buddha blessing, not too young, just right. So he started blazing; it was amazing. My lungs are black and shriveled up like a raisin. He talks about getting this kid high for the very first time at age four, which is fucking insane, right? Nobody should be getting high at age four. But yeah, so that's the song. Let's pack the pipe, Beam, What are your thoughts on this last verse? I'm
1: gonna, I'm gonna put it very tactfully. I think, uh, yes, we. You know, we joke around a lot. We do not endorse smoking out four-year-olds. But perhaps this song is prescient in addressing pediatric use of cannabis to treat uh, severe seizure disorders. Yeah, Dravet syndrome. Yeah, that's That kid's name was Dravet. (laughs) (laughs) This was the
0: first kid. And it's it's pretty cryptic that he describes that the the kid is epileptic but you know it's perhaps it's in there who are we to judge this piece of art that could be there are four-year-olds that use cannabis medically and it saves their lives it changes their lives for the better so you know uh you never know but i just thought that this song was such an interesting artifact i highly recommend throwing on the song it's in its entirety throwing on this album in its entirety. The beat work is absolutely incredible. She keeps on passing me by. Other fish. Oh shit. The Yo Mama song. Listen to this album beginning to end. Smoke a fat one today. And thank you, The Far Side, for creating such a classic for us to enjoy.
1: Absolutely. I can't wait to dig back into this album. Uh, and of course, if you want an even older history of even older weed songs, please delve way back into our back episodes. And check out our jazz episodes. We have one about Billie Holiday, and we have one about Louis Armstrong. There are tons of overtly weedy songs from the 20s and 30s, including our theme song for Great Moments in Weed History is taken from If You're a Viper, performed by Fats Waller. And, of course, we have 50-plus more Great Moments in Weed History history episodes, so if you're enjoying this show but you're like, where's the fucking history... Scroll down the feed, motherfucker. And if you want even more history, go to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. Put five on it. Our future is freedom, but history ain't free. And always, always, always a pleasure. Thank you for that dope thing. Thank you for oh, sharing yeah. a moment in weed. Yeah, hell yeah. Thank you, B. That, that was a really
0: fun conversation about working in this industry that you know we work alongside. Uh, You know, and of course, if if you're looking for specific advice, shoot us a message on Instagram and we'll do our best to get back to you within a reasonable amount of time. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank
1: you so much, Bean. I really enjoyed that. Absolutely. And I will uh, see you next Weedness Day. Weedness (laughs) Day. I think I'm starting to
0: get it. Thanks so much (laughs) for hanging out with us at home. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week.
1: Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You could put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. And that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanenstock, aka Bean.